You guys ready to jump in the Word? We're going to continue and finish talking about this, the topic of joy today. Last week, we talked about the joy of your salvation, how God wants your life full of joy, that uh, joy is not merely a feeling or an emotion, though joy can affect your feelings and emotions, can't it? Joy is not much like happiness, where typically happiness is based on what's happening, and when things aren't happening well for you, sometimes you can lose your happiness. Joy is not determined by your circumstances. Joy will affect your circumstances. So you can have circumstances against you, but yet you can still have joy because it's in you, right? And, and there are times when circumstances will change and it will even add to your joy, but your joy is not dependent on it because your joy is not an emotion. In fact, joy is a spiritual force or reality in your life. When I say it's a force, I mean it, it's, it, it brings strength in your life. Nehemiah 8.10, we just read this, the joy of the Lord is your strength, right? So that means it empowers you to do something. Joy on the inside is like faith. Faith, you know, you, you have faith, and, and by faith, uh, we receive from God. By faith, we hear God. By faith, we, we move out and do the things he's telling us to do. We can do things by faith that we can't do naturally. You can do things with joy that you can't just do by, you know, trying to, you know, muster up the, the courage to do something. But joy creates strength on the inside. And if you are born again, meaning you've given your life to Jesus and he's given you a new life, the Bible says you've received his spirit, and with the spirit of God comes joy. The Bible says the fruit of the spirit or the result of the spirit in your life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So it's already on the inside there, and that's important because some of you may think, man, I haven't had joy all my life. I haven't had a day of joy. Well, the moment you got born again, you had joy on the inside. You just have all this other stuff that's kind of, you know, on top of it. And you got to allow those little joy seeds to start working their way up to the surface. Might even cause you to crack a smile, right? You know, and start to bear fruit in your life. But it's on the inside of you. And so Jesus wants your joy not just to be like in seed form down here, but he wants your joy to be full. Look with me in John chapter 16, verse 23. It's, Jesus said this, And that day you'll ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive. Everybody say that. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Jesus is saying, I want your joy to go from, yeah, I'm a little bit of joy, yeah, to, you know, woohoo, my joy tank is completely full to that point of overcoming. Because when you are full of joy, you're full of strength. Some people, if you were to look at an area of your life where you feel weak in, maybe you feel weak in um, temptation towards a certain area. That's an area of weakness. Or maybe you're weak when it comes to managing your finances. Or maybe you're weak when it comes to faith to believe God for healing. Or maybe you're weak in your relationships. Or maybe you're, you're weak in your prayer life. 
Well, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So as God increases your joy, as you grow in your joy, guess what? It strengthens you in your relationships, in your finances, regarding areas of temptation, in your prayer life. Some people, when they're, when they're, uh, they think that those situations are just going to change in and of themselves, and one day you're not going to be weak there anymore. Time doesn't do it. Joy will do it. Joy will do it. As you grab a hold of this concept today, know this, that God wants your joy to be full because when your joy is full, it changes things. This is one of the reasons why Jesus came. Uh, In Isaiah chapter 61, there's a prophecy about Jesus, and, and he quoted it later on in Luke, but it talks about a number of things that Jesus came to do. And it says this, Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Listen to this though. Jesus said, the spirit of God is on me to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. The oil of joy for mourning. Jesus said, I want to replace that mourning. Another place in Psalm 105, um, actually, let's look at Psalm 126, verse 5. It says, those who sow in tears shall reap with joy. And in Psalm chapter 30, verse 5, it says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So Jesus is contrasting this weeping, this mourning, this sorrows, and he says, that will lead you up to here, but I want to get you over here. I want to get you past that. That's one of the things that Jesus wants to do, because when you're in that place of continual mourning, when you're, when you're stuck in that place of, of grieving, when you're stuck in that place where you know, it, it's, it's the brokenness, then you don't have the strength to do the things that God has called you to do. And so he says, I want to get my people from over here, over there. And the way I do it is with joy. You see, when you're stuck on the the front side of that before you experience the joy of God, you know it in somebody's life. A lack of joy has consequences. Sometimes that's like depression. You see somebody who is walking around, they're depressed, man, they're lacking joy. Now, I know there's chemical things that can be going on and so forth, but, uh, and, and sometimes it's like it has to do with diet, it has to do with sunlight, it's all kinds of crazy stuff. But there's sometimes that depression is, and I have just lost meaning, I have lost focus, I have lost the oomph on the inside. What's happening there? I've lost joy. I've lost joy. Because remember, joy isn't just I'm smiling and I'm happy and I'm nice to people, but joy is a strength. Joy is something that strengthens you. It's a, it's a spiritual reality that comes from God. It's not just good cheer. Joy to the world, you know, cheer everybody. No, that's not, the, that's not what we mean. Like, hey, hey, you know, things are going good. But on the inside, I'm alive. When someone lacks joy in their life, all kinds of things can result in uh, sickness. Man, you start to, to struggle so much and you get stressed out. And, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, how about 60% of illnesses have its root in stress. And so when somebody is continually lacking joy, they can be depressing, be sick, they can walk around in fear. It can lead to missed opportunities. 
when you lack joy? Because I can't even see my future and I don't have the strength to make the right decisions, which can also lead to poverty. You see people in poverty, and I don't mean people who are broke or people who lack money. There's a difference between not having money and being in poverty because there are people who have some money, but they still have a poverty mentality or mindset, right? And so, so I'll tell you what, it is not a, it's not a joyful thing. There's people who have nothing that can still have joy in their heart, but there's people who, when they lose the joy, everything is bleak. Everything is lacking. There's never enough. You can never satisfy with stuff. Joy, joy will cause you to have drive on the inside. Joy will cause you to put your hand to the plow. Joy will cause you to have a motivation on the inside. But when you lose joy, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to take, go to that job interview. I don't want to go to school today. I don't want to take that class. I don't want to get trained in that. You know, I don't want to step out in that responsibility or that opportunity. People who ha- lack joy struggle in their relationships. You ever hang out with somebody who really is like a, a joy vacuum, like they suck the joy out of you? <laughs> I mean, that thing that they come around, and I talked about this last week, you know, the cloud over their head or whatever, but, but when people lack joy, there's this void on the inside, and it affects other people. And if you're in a relationship with someone who really has lost their joy, it will, it will cause your relationship to struggle. It's hard. There's endless grief, and here's another one, critical spirits. People can become very critical when they lack joy. It's hard to be full of joy and critical at the same time. I'm not talking about it's hard to smile because someone could smile and criticize, but I'm talking about the joy of the Lord on the inside. All of a sudden, when you have the joy of the Lord, you'll speak life over people. You'll believe the best about people. You'll love people. You'll speak well about other organizations, other ministries, other, other people at work and so forth. Your competitors at work, you'll be able to still speak life or whatever it is. But when you lack joy, it's easy to criticize. Well, you know that person over there. And someone, you know, you ever experience this? Like you'll bring something up about somebody like, hey, you know, these guys over here are doing this. Yeah, but, you know, behind the scenes, da, 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 da. And so they always have a criticism, right? That's wrong. But why, what, what's, what's the source of that? What's the root of that? Well, part of it is they lack joy because the joy isn't going to be pessimistic all the time, Right? Joy's going to see, you know what, they may not do everything right, but they do some things, and it'll cause us to say, I don't have any, any reason to criticize them. I'm grateful. I'm thankful for what the Lord's done in me. And, and even if somebody is absolutely you know, considered worthless by others, no, they're not. God, God can turn that around. I saw a sign one time that said this. It said, um, Nobody, nobody's completely worthless. They can always be used as a bad example, right? <laughs> That was just a sign. It's not a scripture, okay? Well, God wants to turn that around, and he wants to give you breakthrough. Joy does that for you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord must be what got you out of bed and, and looked outside, and you went, you know, got dressed knowing that the roads aren't going to be great. And you said, I think God has something for me today, Right? You guys are like those people in the Bible. I love this verse. It's one of those strong verses. Uh, it talks about David's mighty men. And it, say, it says that one of David's mighty men, he, he killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Like that's what kind of man he was. It was snowing. 
there's a lion stuck in a pit, and he jumps down on a snowy day, by the way, did I tell you that, and kills this lion. He's like a mighty man of valor. It's one of those strong scriptures. You guys are like that. You've got that same attitude on the inside. I'm coming to church on a snowy day trying not to drive off into a pit, right? There's other scriptures that, that are uh, they're strong scriptures. Speaking of joy and strength and so forth, um, the Bible says, if you, if, you la- if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is weak. I'm thinking, yeah, that sounds tough right there. You want to just tell somebody, weakling, you faint in the day of adversity, makes you feel like that's one of those, those tough scriptures. Your, your strength is weak. Well, the joy of the Lord will strengthen you. There's another scripture that I like that doesn't have anything to do with joy, but I just like it because it sounds manly. And it's, if you can't run with men, how will you keep up with the horses? It's like, yeah, buddy, how will you keep up with the horses? You can't keep up with me. I don't know if you'll ever run with horses, but that's a cool scripture, right? There's another one. You'll have to find it yourself. I can't do all your Bible reading for you. There's another one that says, he who puts on his armor shouldn't boast like he who takes it off. I'm like, yeah, that's deep. What's that mean? It sounds pretty cool, but it means this, you know, it's like, it's easy to talk trash. Get in the ring, right? You can put on your armor. Oh yeah, we're going to go do this. But the guy who takes it off versus the guy who got killed in the battle, right? The guy who never showed up to battle. It's a different story, right? Yeah, we're, we're getting ready. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Uh, yeah, all right. Just tell me at the end of the day how big and bad you are. That's just one of those scriptures. It has nothing to do with joy, but it just brings me joy thinking about those scriptures. They're pretty tough. You have to find that one too. Uh, God wants to turn things around for you. Joy for weeping. Joy for, for mourning, right? That, that he wants your heart, your joy to be full. And it changes things. Joy is a key to your breakthrough. Isaiah 55, verse 11 and 12. Part of this is a real familiar verse, and then the second part's one I shared last week. But verse 11 says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. God is speaking. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. And so God is saying, when I speak my word, it's like a servant to me. My word comes out and it says, reporting for duty. And, and I tell it what to do and it goes and it accomplishes that. That's what God's word does when he speaks his word. And it doesn't come back empty handed and say, make up excuses or say, you know, I couldn't do it because this or that. But it's like as if God's word said, man, I did what you told me to do. And here's the result of it. That's what God's saying. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me void or, or empty handed, but it'll accomplish that for which I've sent it. And then look how he ties this into the next verse right here, because here is his word that is going to accomplish what he said. And this isn't merely a scripture, though it is scripture, but this is God speaking to us today. And he says, for you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. God is sitting here and he's saying, okay, my word will do what I said it'll do. And this is what it's, what's going to happen. You today, people at the rock, people of the rock, you will go out these doors with joy. 
You will go out with joy, not just a joy message, but something supernatural that only God can, can do. He said, you're going to have joy imparted to you today, and you'll go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And look at this next part of it, it says, and, and the mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field, they'll clap their hands. You go outside, and if you start to see trees going like this, that's going to be only a God thing and kind of weird. But here's the point I think God is making. He says, the environment that you go into is going to change supernaturally. Because only God can make the mountains sing. Only God can make the, the, the trees clap their hands. If they do it today and you're underneath, you'll get soaked with snow, by the way. But nevertheless, God is saying, when you go out with joy and, and you're led with peace, because I say that you will, the environment that you go into will change. You're, you, because of your joy and the peace on the inside of you, it will affect the atmosphere that you're in. It'll affect the room. It'll affect your home. It'll affect your family life. It'll affect your workplace environment, your school, wherever you're at. God's saying, I want to put you in situations that because of the strength, because of the joy on the inside, it changes things. It changes your world. And God says, my people, hear me now. When I send you out like this, you're, it, this is not like, man, I hope that happens. This is going to be cool. God says, this will happen. It will, my word will accomplish what I'm sending it for. In other words, God is saying, I am sending you to impact your world, and I'm sending you out with joy. It will happen. Tell somebody next to you, it will happen. Psalm 35 verse 27 says, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And, and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. You know, sometimes you have to just shout for joy. Sometimes if you're lacking the joy or you're struggling with your joy, you just got to shout for joy. It's an act of the will. Sometimes it's kind of like, woohoo, you know, like I just, I got I don't know about the situation around me going on, but, but I know that right now I need to make a choice to, be, to walk in joy. And he says, let them shout for joy who, conti- who, who favor my cause. Those who are about the Father's business, those people who care about what God cares about. That's what he's saying, that there's a joy associated with that. When you care Look at this. The next, when you care more about God and what he cares about than yourself and what you care about personally, what's good for you, you know what you end up doing? You're magnifying the Lord. Because it goes on to say, and, and let them continually say, let the Lord be magnified. Let the Lord be magnified. Well, what's that mean? Well, when you take a magnifying glass and you put it up to something, it, it helps you to get a closer look at it. It helps you to see it with more clarity. It kind of makes it look bigger. And when someone in their heart, and you know people like this, and maybe you know when you've been like this or when you haven't, when people say, life's not about magnifying me or getting a better look at me or making me bigger or better, but in my life, I really want I want God to be magnified. I want people to get a better look at him. I want people to get a closer look at him. I want people to see that, no, God is bigger than all their problems. What are you doing? You're magnifying God. Hey, it's not that he gets any bigger, because he is, but sometimes it just helps you see, no, God is really bigger. And, and the Lord is sitting here saying that he delights in the prosperity of his servant. 
God delights in your prosperity and your well-being. Scripture says this. And and when we can humble ourselves and say, you know what, I'm not going to promote myself or drive, you know, to get my name out there, but I'm going to really put God first and see him magnified. The Lord says, but I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. And maybe that's a word for some people here today who are thinking, man, how do I get out in front? How do I promote? How do I do this and that? Listen, that might be necessary for whatever you have your hand to that you do get out there, but allow God to do it by putting him first. Put him first. Magnify God in your life. Make sure you're at a place where, where you're really saying, not just with your lips, hey, everybody, God's good, and this, but with your life is really saying, you know what? In my heart, in my life, I want people, if they were to put a magnifying glass to me and inspect me, God would be magnified. God would be magnified, right? Let the Lord be magnified. Shout for joy there. Uh, God wants to ab- abundantly bless his people. He he blesses those who favor his righteous cause. He causes them to, to, to prosper. Let, let's look at Ezra chapter 6, 22. You can write all these verses down, uh, by the way, so you can kind of chew on them later. Um, in Ezra chapter 6, 22, it's talking about the people of God who set apart time to worship him. And this was like a uh, seven-day you know, time of, of worship, like church service. <laughs> No, but it wasn't really just church service, but it was, it was a time to rest and celebrate all that God had done. And it says, they kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days with joy. They set apart the time in their heart to worship God, and they did it with joy. And then look, it says, for the Lord made them joyful. Why did, they, why did God make them joyful? Because they set apart time for him. They set apart time for him. When you're setting apart time in your life to worship the Lord, he makes you joyful. He causes you to increase in your joy. But not only that, but because they were walking in the fullness of joy and because they had set apart time in their life to worship the Lord, it says God also did something else. It says, it says for the Lord um, made them joyful and turned the heart of the king of Assyria, the king of Assyria, toward them to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. So, as they were worshiping the Lord with joy and God made them joyful, God also took the king of the land there where they're, they're living and he turned the heart of this ungodly king towards them to support them, to provide for them, to encourage them, to strengthen them so that they can continue to do what God had called them to do. And as they were putting their hand to building the house of God, God called caused the heart of the official, so to speak, in that area to be favorable towards them, to strengthen and help them to accomplish what God has called them to accomplish. That's important because there may be people in your life and they are like gatekeepers. And sometimes it's the person who's saying, uh, that, that has the ability to say yes or no to your promotion to opportunities that come your way, to bonuses that come your way, to raises that come your way, to acceptance into certain programs. You know, they're the gatekeepers. And this person may be godly or ungodly. They might have even taken a stance against you at this point. But when you begin to grab hold of these scriptures and you realize that, God, you did it in their life. As they put you first and they set apart time to you, Lord God, The heart of the king was in your hand, and you redirected it in their favor. And Lord God, I'm believing you. 
Right now, I'm even walk, I'm choosing joy in this situation, but I'm believing you, God, that you caused that door to be opened on my behalf, right? Maybe there's people who are trying to come against you and cause you to pay more, more than you need to be paying for something, and they won't budge. And yet the Lord says, no, I'll turn their hand away. I'll turn their, their heart around for you. They're going to they're gonna help you out. And anything that comes your way, God is saying, I'm doing these things because I want to advance my work in your life because your heart is to advance my kingdom on this earth. And so this is what the Lord did. He strengthened them so as they put their hand to the house of the Lord. Now, I believe this, of course, applies to the ministry that God's called you to. Every one of you, every one of you, every one of you is called to minister and ministry. Your ministry may look different than mine, it would be very confusing if we were all up here speaking at the same time, right? It would be very, although many of you are called to this role, or at least some of you, I should say, are called to the same role, maybe uh, in another venue, maybe even here at times. But all of us are called to minister. That means to serve the Lord and to serve people. And sometimes, uh, sometimes your primary calling happens to be your vocation, so I don't believe necessarily in secular and sacred in the sense of, yeah, all your jobs are secular, and so that's not really kingdom work, this is kingdom work. I don't believe that at all. I believe every single one of you, when you're walking in God's calling in your life, whether it's here, which it's part for everybody, but it's out there somewhere, when you're walking in your calling, it's all sacred. And it all has to do with the kingdom of God. And you might be building widgets at the widget factory, or you might be inventing some better way to slice bread or whatever it is. But man, when you are doing what you've been called to do, and you do it kingdom-minded, and you're saying, God, I just want to use your gifts and grace on the inside of me, and Lord, I want to impact people. Because jobs are jobs. You know, stuff is stuff. It's the relationship with people in eternity that matters, isn't it? And, and that brings us great joy in and of itself when all of a sudden we realize, hey, out of all the things I can do, I just help somebody ch- change their spiritual destination for eternity. And I was part of that. I, I got to be used by God. That right there can bring a significant amount of joy in and of itself. So the Lord blessed them, and he turns the hearts of difficult leaders towards his people to strengthen their hands in the work of their ministry. You got to ask yourself this question, is my heart to advance the kingdom of God? How am I doing that? Can I do it in the situation I'm in? I'd say, yeah, you you probably can, unless you're like an assassin, right? So maybe like, I don't know what kind of job you'd say, like that's probably not going to glorify God. But there may be some things. Hey, uh, Two, two more scriptures, I want to wrap this up here. Isaiah 61, 7 says, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. What's rejoice means? It means to stir up joy, right? You know, you should kind of shake it up, rejoice. The joy's in there, you, you stir that up. He says, instead of confusion, they'll rejoice in their portion. In the part that's given to them, there's a joy in that. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double Everlasting joy shall be theirs. There's the possessing of double, God says, that, that he has for his people. Double honor, double portion, they'll possess double. What's double look like for you? What is de- like if God caused increase in your life, double. What does that look like for you? 
I mean, I don't know. I think it's twice as much as what you got now or what it is now, right? I don't know. Um, double. What does double look like? Double your income? Two cars? Two houses? Two wives? No, two. No, no. You're like, no. Come on. Slap that boy. Where's my wife at keeping me in line up here? Now, I don't know what double looks like. It doesn't look like that, by the way. Um, but what does it look like for you? Because when God says you'll possess double, like, like for Elisha and Elijah, Elisha and Elijah, there, there are two prophets in the Bible. Elijah came first and Elisha. Elijah mentored Elisha, right? And um, when Elijah was about to be taken up to heaven, Elisha said, hey, I want you to do this for me. He said, what? He said, I want a double portion of your anointing, a double portion of your anointing. And Elijah said, ooh, with his long beard. He said, ooh, you ask a hard thing. Well, why is it hard? Because you have to work real hard to get the anointing? No, no, no. The anointing comes from God. You can't earn it, but it comes with cost. You have to set yourself apart to walk in the anointing of God. You remember Jesus said, you want to follow me? You want to follow me? Take up your cross. Oh, suddenly this life doesn't sound so enjoyable because the cross means I'm going to die, Right? And so we die to ourselves. we die daily. There, there's a price to pay. There, there's there's a, a sacrifice involved for sure. But Elijah had seven miracles recorded in his life, seven miracles. And so Elisha, you know, you double portion, he had double the miracles. How, how many were recorded in his life? Seven, uh, thank you, seven four, times two, 14. Actually, it was 13 in his life. And, uh, but he got the 14th one after he died. Thank you. He's like, yeah. He was buried. He was dead. He was buried. And then some, some, some people were, I think it was a band of raiders. I forget exactly how the story goes. But um, one of their guys died. And they're like, uh, where do we put him? And so there, there was this tomb there. And it happened to be the tomb where Elisha was buried. And so they're like, okay, here, th- put him in there. And they threw him in that tomb. And as soon as he hit the bones of Elisha, the, the Bible says that he came back to life. God gave life back to this guy. And you can only imagine hearing Elisha say, got it. You know, like 14, <laughs> ding, 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 double. Hey, what does it look like for you? What is double your influence? Double your authority. Double your ministry. Double your effectiveness. Double your increase, double your business expansion, double your team members on your ministry, double the people, you know, that you minister to, uh, double your uh, joy, double, you know, what what does that look like? Double the honor for you. Those are things to grab a hold of with the Lord and say, God, double, double. And not only that, but the everlasting joy shall be yours. I believe the Lord's saying double to you. Last scripture I want to read to you, and I really want to say this as a declaration over you from Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 through 5. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles, or those who don't know God, they shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They shall, gather, they shall all gather together. They come to you. 
Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. He said, your heart will swell with joy. There may be darkness in this world, great darkness on the people, but God is saying to you, people of the rock, arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Your kids, the people you minister to, the people you affect, they're going to come from far off, right by your side. The wealth of the Gentiles will be brought to you, and your heart will swell with joy. This is something that when we talk about joy to the world, you're going to hear that song, sing that song. You'll hear it at the grocery store or whatever playing on. You'll realize, oh, we're not just talking about smiling and being happy because it's Christmas, but we're talking about a supernatural, a spiritual strength or force on the inside of me that is going to cause me to change the environment, change the situations that I'm in. And how many of you guys would say, that's what I want to happen right there. I want the joy of the Lord working in my life to where it changes the environment within. 